Welcome, adventurers. To date, we have listened to four different and seemingly unrelated tales. But are they unrelated? Come listen and find out. Joel Rigetti's Speaking Stone Studio presents... Tales from the Dungeon The swaying motion accompanied the rattles and squeaks the old wagon made as it closed in on its destination. The high walls of Borgen that loomed ahead seemed as child's toys set against the backdrop of the Shalshali Mountains. At regular intervals along the top of the wall, the impish dance of firelight bled into the night sky. Fire set to keep the night's watch warm. Aram shifted on the hardwood seat, working his back and arms in a vain effort to drive out the stiffness of a long day's journey, now made worse by the night's bitter cold. The mountains were quickly disappearing from view as Aram approached the base of the wall and the city's main gate. The wagon rattled to a stop two cart lengths in front of the gates, which were closed. The double gate was an imposing thing three carts wide and over four carts tall. The thick wood core was completely wrapped in iron. In what may or may not have been a joke of the craftsmen, inlaid around the outer edge in large brass letters in the languages of common, elvish, dwarvish, gnomish, and a few other languages that Aram did not recognize, was the phrase, Borgen welcomes you. May these walls protect and defend you. The two large draft horses who had pulled the day's load stomped their feet and snorted out loud breaths, visible in the freezing night air. As the horses continued to shift, whinny and nicker, a small slit opened in the gate, and the glint of a pair of eyes could be seen peering out. They stared for a moment, and then came the call. Who goes there? Aram remained silent, cloak and hood drawn tight across his form. Who goes there, blasted? The guard called, angry at the lack of response to the first challenge. There was another passing of time, and then the eye slit slammed shut. Muffled shouts and curses could be heard from behind the door. The silhouettes of four guards became visible high atop the stone wall, and Aram felt, more than saw, crossbows being aimed at him. Another call from atop the wall back down to the guards below. It's just one person on a cart. A clang of a large bar and lock being undone could be heard, and then, with an unexpected silence, the left door swung open, just enough for three helmed guards, draped in heavy cloaks, to pass from the inside of the gate to where Aram waited. The lead guard waved the other two to remain where they were just before the opening, and continued to slowly approach. A long spear leveled at Aram. When the soldier had reached a position where he could have gored Aram with a lunge, he called in an irritated voice. Let's have your hood down, you gob. Aram slowly reached his hands up and pulled down the thick wool hood of his cloak, revealing his weathered face and long white hair tied back in a ponytail. 
The soldier nearly threw his spear to the ground in frustration. Nose breath, Farum. What in damnation's wrong with you? As four bells past sore went down. You know good and well the gates would be closed. And why the hell didn't you identify yourself? The guard turned and signaled the two at the door and the four on the wall to stand down. As the guard approached, Spear now slung comfortably over his shoulder. Aram followed him with his eyes. Where the hell you been? Gobi checked in with the Daywatch three different times to see if you'd arrived yet. He's furious with you. Said he was just about out of fish. I was going to lose a barrel full of gold if he didn't have more to sell for the Deep Winter Festival. Another pause, and the guard stepped even closer, just a few paces from where Aram sat. What's wrong with you, Aram? Why ain't you talking? Aram finally croaked. It's been a bad day. And then an awkward smile. Things didn't go as planned. The guard screwed up his face in concern. What in Roselia's wrong with your voice? As I said, bad day. I caught some kind of cold. Makes me sound like a frog. The soldier, who had been almost within arm's reach of Aram, skipped back a step. And then, after shifting from foot to foot and rubbing his hands together, the guard finally said, Well, are we going to do this or what? Hop down and open up these chests. Let's get this inspection over with. It's freezing out here. I shouldn't even be letting you in at this odd hour, but Gobby would flay me alive if I didn't let you make your delivery. Aram snapped. Do we really need to do this? What you think's in the chest? Fish. Always fish. Same as last week. Same as a week before. As you said, it's freezing. I'm sick, and I've had a terrible day. Can't we skip it just this once? I'll tell anyone that asks, you chew me out right good, and inspect at every fish, inside and out. Don't you yell at me, Yoram. You're the one showing up at this odd hour. And then he cast his eyes back at the gate, and to the top of the wall. Satisfied that none of the other guards were watching, his posture changed. All right, Aram, just this once, and only because it's freezing and you are sick. Next time I keep the gate locked, and you can freeze with your fish. He finished, trailing off. He then pulled a glove from his left hand, put it to his lips, and whistled three sharp notes. A guard appeared again at the top of the wall. The whistler waved. A short wait, and then the left gate continued to open until it was wide enough for Aram to take up the reins and urge the horses through the gate. As he passed through, the head guard kept pace on foot beside Aram until they cleared the wall where he stopped, and then spoke in a voice just loud enough for Aram to hear. You owe me one of Savvy's pies. Aram cocked his head, and after a pause that was just long enough to be awkward, replied, of course. I will make sure that happens. The guard stared on after him for a bit as he passed down the main street of town. Then he shook his head and turned back to his post. He whistled again, and the gate began to shut. Aram pulled the wagon down a side alley behind a large warehouse, urging the horses on until they came to a dead end. He set the brake on the wagon and hopped down. Uncovering the central portion of the wagon, he found fodder bags for the horses and then went around front 
taking time to strap one onto each horse, patting them on the head in turn. Climbing back into the wagon, he dragged out something large that was wrapped in a tarp. Taking a knife from his belt, he cut the rope that held the tarp shut. He unrolled the tarp, revealing its contents. The body of a man. He had a weathered face, long white hair tied back in a ponytail, and wore well but simply made clothes. Aram bent, struggling to get the man over his shoulders. He then lumbered slowly to the front of the wagon, and with great effort was finally able to push the body into the wagon's seat, slumped over to one side. He unpinned the cloak he was wearing and placed it over the body. He then turned and walked back towards the mouth of the alley, grabbing an extra cloak and a worn canvas pack from the back of the wagon as he passed, heading back into the city. I'm sorry, we just stopped serving for the night. Are you looking for a room? The short, stout barkeep called from behind the bar. She was drying a mug with a rag and kept her slate-gray eyes on Aram as he stood just inside the door, hood still drawn. The bartender squinted her eyes. Did she recognize the face beneath the hood? Aram? She asked tentatively. Aram bowed his head, obscuring the bartender's view, and then reached up to remove the hood, looking up once again. A weathered face with a scar under the left eye and thick white hair that was slicked back returned her gaze. The bartender gave a small shake of her head and then blinked heavily. My apologies. For a moment I thought you were someone I know. That is all right, Aram said, his eyes scanning the room. At this late hour there were only three patrons remaining in the common room of the Crooked Quill. Two dwarves quietly talking in a booth near the far right corner and a loudly snoring mop of hair of someone who had passed out face down on a table near the center of the room. Aram's gaze moved back to the bartender. I was told I would be able to find a man named Matram here, he said. The bartender barked a laugh. Man, she said under her breath, and then yelled toward a door leading behind the bar. Matram! A clatter of falling dishes shortly followed, a muffled curse, and then the door swung open. A short, scrawny human male with unkempt black hair and a stained apron came through, a scowl on his face. What is it, Saverin? I got a mountain of dishes still need washing. You washing them or breaking them? Saverin replied. His face bloomed red, and then between clenched teeth he hissed. What do you want, Saverin? Saverin jerked her head towards Aram and the door. Matram's eyes quickly followed. He stared a moment at Aram, his posture remaining tense and irritated. Can I help you? I was told you were a good man to talk to about where to find fish for the deep winter festival, Aram said in a flat tone. The bartender's eyes widened even as she barked out another disbelieving laugh. Matram's red face flushed to white as he stammered. Uh, yes, uh, of course. He threw a towel that he had been holding down onto the bar and quickly made his way towards Aram. As he walked, he called over his shoulder without looking. I'll be back in just a minute. Saverin's face sank into a frown. You a fish expert now? I ain't paying you to be a tour guide, Matram. It won't take but a minute, Savvy. 
He called again, not stopping as he reached Aram. He opened the front door and ushered Aram out hurriedly as if shooing a cat. Matram slammed the door behind him and then turned to face Aram, his irritation dissipating quickly as he realized how cold it was outside, wrapping himself in his arms. Aram's eyebrows raised, and then he said, Well, do you have the information I'm looking for? Matram looked quickly around, head bobbing up and down in paranoia. His head never stopped moving as he whispered, You got the gold. Aram's gloved hand appeared from beneath his cloak, grasping a sizable leather pouch. Matram quickly reached out to grab the pouch, but before he could, it disappeared back beneath the folds of Aram's cloak. Information, came Aram's one-word question. Matram frowned, wrapping his arms back around himself, his teeth beginning to chatter in the night's cold. How do I know that ain't a bag of rocks you got there? Aram stared for a moment, and then the corner of one side of his mouth drew into a grin. Now two hands appeared from beneath the cloak, the pouch displayed again. This time the pouch was held open. Matram leaned over, eyes squinting. The yellowish glint of gold could be seen, reflected in the light of the double lanterns that hung beside the inn's door. Information, Aram said in a tone that made it clear this would be the last time he would ask. Matram returned to an upright position and began to speak, his head swiveling all the while. Yeah, so I found the guy you was looking for. He was here in the common room four days back. He was with a half-elf I wouldn't care to cross, and a strange little gnome with a dwarf's beard. I knows it was him, because he was blathering on about an old druid order from the Gimlin woods. That's what you was looking for, yeah? Info on anyone talking about druids in the Gimlin woods. And while he blathered on, did he utter the words, Cries Deonadir? Aram asked. Matram scrunched up his face. I mean, I can't rightly say. He said lots of big words, and just lots of words in general. Them other two he was with must be right patient folk, as much as he hammers on. As Matram spoke, Aram drew the drawstring on the pouch and withdrew it back under his cloak. Matram noticed and took a quick step towards him, and then seeing the expression on his face, he took a quick step back. Aram turned and began to walk away. Matram, his voice rising above a whisper for the first time since leaving the common room, called, Wait, he may have said them words you said. Cree, os, dandy, there, maybe, yeah. As Aram continued to walk away, Matram's eyes now flicked back and forth, not focusing on anything around him, but all of his thought bent on remembering four nights past. And then he blurted out, Hearts protector! Aram stopped in his tracks. Them words you said mean hearts protector, yeah? I remember now. The talky one was telling them other two about how that's what Creus don de air means. Aram turned and retraced his way until he stood a pace before Matram and stopped. As he extended his arm to full length in front of him, pouch gripped tightly in his gloved hand, he spoke. And did this man say where he was staying or might be going? Matram quickly responded. Yeah, yeah, he told them other two they would be here in Borgen for some while, that it would take some time to go through all that info in the libraries and arcane shops. 
Them other two nodded as if they didn't even care none. The one-sided smile returned to Aram's face. And what did this talkative gentleman look like? He was human, scrawny-like, swimming in fancy gray and green robes, kind of wild brown hair. To be honest, he gave me the odd impression of a squirrel been stretched out to human height. A name? Matram hesitated. The mother two didn't speak much. No, I don't have a name. Aram waited a moment longer. What you have gathered is sufficient. I may come back from time to time, if you are able to gather any more information on this man or his whereabouts. I will make it worth your while. In the meantime, this little discussion of fish is just between us. Aram opened his hand, dropping the sack of gold under the frosted cobblestone. Matram scurried to pick it up. As he stood back up, shoving the pouch into the neck of his shirt, he looked around. Aram was nowhere to be seen. What is Aram's real goal in Borgen? And is it as it seems? Is he looking for Alarion and his companions? Stay tuned next time and find out. In part two of Fishy Business.